0: To Fritz's shock, this morning we're going to get into the second to the last chapter in the book of Romans. Now you guys take care of Fritz. If he falls over suddenly, like, oh, how did you get this far? We're going to take care of you, Fritz. All right. Uh, but it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great section. So why don't we pray and we'll dive in, Lord? As we uh, come together, just going to ask your your blessing upon our time, Lord. Uh, use this time in a way that. Uh, You allow this word to come into and speak into us as your church today. Lord, uh, both individually, that I I can walk away and say, that that challenges me. As well as corporately, that we as a body can say, yeah, that that challenges us. Lord, uh, let your word have that effect on us. We pray in Jesus' name, let's say it together. Amen. Amen. All right. I really love the way that Romans, uh, as a book, starts to come uh, to a close because uh, from beginning to end, you know, Romans is a book about this this invitation that God has given to all of us to enter into mission with him. Um, when I think about our world today, uh, and I think about folks even in this community who don't know, really don't know Jesus. Um... I think about, well, I, I don't have all the answers. And there's a part of me, I think it just needs batteries, Fritz. is why it's doing that. There's a part of me that just says, um, I don't have all the answers. Part of me, quite honestly, I'm an introvert. So part of me goes, I don't want to go out there and just talk to somebody that I, I don't know. Um, I definitely don't want to come across as I'm going to smack people over the head with the Bible. Yet here here we stand. And God says, Luke, i am giving you this invitation. Here's the beautiful thing about that invitation is it's not about me. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't ha- I'm not the one who changes another soul or another heart. That's what God does. And he does it through his word and he does it through each one of us. And so we ought to have that confidence that, no, God, God will work uh, through each one of us. I'm going to take a small time out. We'll give Mike a minute here. Uh, he brought me two nice batteries. The problem was this one only has one in it. It's one of those 9 volt batteries. So <laughs> hopefully we have one. But anyway, I think about, okay, God has given us this mission. Um, I thought about this last night in, in a big way um, because I was watching a little bit of this football game, NFL. And um, you know they have this new mission statement for the, for the year. And their their mission statement, I wrote it down so I get get it straight. They probably paid someone like $10 million to come up with this mission statement. So their new mission statement So the NFL's $10 million, is that better? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I thought it was. The NFL's $10 million mission statement is inspire change. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how is the NFL going to inspire change? What are they going to do to inspire change? And then I thought, well, actually they did inspire change. They inspired me to change the channel. (laughs) I'm not watching these people. What in the world are they talking about? Now, think about this. God has given us a mission and a calling to really not inspire change, but to, we get to watch change happen in people's lives. Uh, and we get to do that uh, as we become involved in the lives of people who, right now, I'd say there's people in my life who I've kind of met and are getting to know and recognizing, you know what, God is, God is calling me for whatever reason. I want you to continue to pour some of me into this, this other person. So I think Romans, from beginning to end, really kind of helps us think about uh, what it means to, 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 to dare to go out into the world knowing, I don't have to have all the answers. God, God's going to help bring people into relationship with himself. And there's never been a time, I think, in history uh, where that, that is more needed than, uh, than today. Now, when we bring people into faith, when they come into faith, uh, what we've been looking at as we get towards the end of Romans, uh, here in chapter 14, is the fact that when you're bringing somebody into faith and they're entering into what we're going to call the church, the ecclesia, the body, be very careful about how you serve those who are new to the faith. Um, last week we, we looked at, looked at a, a section here of chapter 14 where Paul gives us a great example of that. Um, what it means for me to know, okay, there's people coming in that are new to the faith. I have to pay attention to who they are and make sure that what I do, even if I have the right to do it, does not create a stumbling block for them. Right? Paul used the example of food. Right? So a a Jewish person is going to come into the faith. And they come into the faith and they carry with them that baggage of the church that they grew up with. Now, in the church that they grew up with, True or false, there were certain foods that they could not eat. Yeah, we looked at it last week. We went through the whole list of things, right? Can't eat ribs. Last week I got so hungry on Sunday, we had to go eat ribs. I'm like, man, (laughs) we're going to eat ribs. Uh, Bearded vultures. Um, I I told Ann I'm going to call Pizza Hut, uh, Kirk's Place. I'm going to order myself up a a bearded vulture pizza and see what they tell me. But imagine a Jew, they get into the church and all of a sudden you're having a, you're having a potluck and they're going down the line and there's some bearded vulture. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute, what's this? That's bearded vulture. What are, what's that? It's ribs. You can't eat that. Well, in the New Testament church, as the church is being birthed out, could you eat bearded vulture? Actually, you could. Could you eat ribs? You could. You have that freedom. But what it's doing is, here's this person, you're bringing them in, they're new to the faith, uh, they're coming out of Judaism and, and they start, to, they're wondering what are you doing, you're sinning against God you're, 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 you're violating the very laws that God uh, has, has given to, to the church, so there's times when what God calls us to do is to put down our rights or our freedoms, yes we could eat these things but for the sake of this new person who's coming into faith we're not going to do that, we're going to put that away we're not going to make that a stumbling block uh, for people. Now, obviously, in the church world today, when somebody's coming into the church new, I'm not worried about bearded vultures. I'm just, it's just not number one on my list. But I think we do have to be very cognizant of who, who people are and some of the, the suitcases that they carry uh, with them. Uh, I'll use this as an example, probably a bad example for us as Lutherans, but alcohol. Um, should I, should I not have that as a part of what we do as a body? There are churches out there who would say, well, it's our freedom. We have the right to do that. And uh, so we're going to get a liquor license, and we're going to have uh, a brew fest, and we're going to have, you know, good Lutheran beer. Well, Luther definitely did in buy uh, a lot of beer, drink a lot of beer, that boy did. Um, I have a theory, by the way, as to why he, why he did. Uh, kidney stones, honestly. Nothing better for kidney stones than beer. You know, it will help wash them out. Um, and that boy that boy had a lot. Yeah, they did not eat healthy food in Germany in, in the 1500s. And that guy had a lot of kidney stones. And so he drank a lot of beer. Maybe that wasn't it, but hey. Uh, so in our gatherings, you know, I've had people, we, we can have wine. We can have some, some why don't we get a liquor license? I'm like, no. Think about somebody that's coming in new. What, what if something in their, their background causes them to say, hmm, man, I, are you sure about this? What's well, a freedom. That's a freedom. Ah, not, I, my parents, I, th- I remember they were part of the church, and they, they were Baptists, and that was a sin. I, are you sure? Is that, I, I'm creating a stumbling block. For what reason? In other words, pay attention to what may or may not cause stumbling blocks in the life of a person who is coming into the church uh, new. Now, as you move into chapter 15, I think it gets a little bit deeper than that. Now, it's not so much just about lay down your rights for the sake of another person. It moves beyond that to recognize that um, when a person is coming into the faith from outside of it, there's a distinction between what we call, in theological terms, justification and sanctification. So this person may have have reached this point where the, the Spirit of God works faith in them and they are made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The very next day, however, they are not going to just be a person who understands exactly what it means to, to follow God, nor are they going to be a person who has completely removed from their life behaviors, attitudes, speech that is um, really probably not the best or even not acceptable to God, right? They, they have not, okay? So when, when people are coming into the church, the question is, is your church, is this body, willing to recognize that while justification is that fast, God brings a person to faith. Sanctification is a lifelong walk. And am I ready and willing to bring people into the church that are different than I am, who will bring into the church behaviors and attitudes and language that maybe doesn't fit what we would typically think of as church. Now, here, here's my observation is, we all want to say absolutely yes. Man, we're a welcoming church. We, I mean, we have greeters. Um, what more could you ask for? We, we, we're friendly. We, we give people coffee. Uh, how could you? We're not talking about that, right? Fellowship, or koinonia, is deeper than that. Koinonia means, are you really ready to, to, to welcome them into, into your home, even though they're bringing with them the suitcases, the baggage of their old life? Will you meet them where they are? Now, again, observation. While we all want to say absolutely yes, we're, bring them in. We're ready to meet them where they are. Here, here's the truth is, um, I think sometimes it's, it's hard for people, Christians, to embrace people who are living a life style that you look at and think, well, that's wrong, that's not good, that's that's not right, uh, and, and simply embrace them where they are and allow them to grow into what God has called them to be. I think sometimes our expectation is, well, you were justified, now you change everything about your life tomorrow. Doesn't work that way, right? Bad example, but here it goes. True story. A friend of mine says his dad was baptized in this lady. And uh, it was a non-denominational church, so they have the, the big tank that you wade out into. They wade out into the tank. And this later lady came, out, came into faith um, through um, a group of people who were re- doing outreach to uh, motorcycle groups. She was a motorcycle gal. Yeah. Tattoos, uh, the whole works, right? So she's getting baptized in this church that probably looks a lot like our church, right here. And uh, so she wades out into that water, and of course, you're you're in a, a, lot of times you're in a bathing suit, and she's got all these tattoos showing. and So you can just see people in the church are kind of sitting back, and they're smiling like this. What's going on in their heads? Mm-hmm. they are like, "Oh my goodness, oh my goodness!" And you can just see one lady go, turn to her son and say, "You better not get any tattoos like that. I don't want to see you ever have tattoos." You can just kind of see that, can't you? And uh, so the pastor, this guy's my friend's father, um, you know, introduces her, and this is her story, and she's coming out of this gang and he says, now, do you have anything to say to the church? And in this particular church, when you were getting baptized uh, as an adult, they would hand you the microphone and you got to say a few words. So this biker lady grabs the microphone and she looks at the congregation and she goes, yeah, I sure do. She says, you can tell the devil to kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I love that. I'm like, if I were sitting in the audience, I'd be the guy, I'd be like, preach it, lady, (laughs) you know. But you can just see a lot of people would probably be like, oh, my goodness gracious, what did she just, did she she use the word ass in in church? Did she use that? Well, it's a biblical word. I mean, it's what Jesus wrote on into Jerusalem, my goodness gracious. Um, You can just see it, right? Well, that's a simple illustration, but the reality is that don't we want people to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, whose lifestyle is messed up? I think we do. And sometimes we want to create this, kind of this this gate that says, well, you can come in as long as. And I always like to ask myself the question, in any church that I visit or walk into, what is your as long as? Where do you draw the line? Where does your gate stop? So this person is gay. They are. I want I want to come into the church. They're starting to learn about Jesus Christ. They're walking through His Word. His Word His Word is challenging them. Okay. Does my gate stop there? Does it say you can come into the church as long as you renounce that lifestyle? Or is your gate a gate that swings open and says? you know what? Um, we're going to be real honest with you. We're going to keep studying the scriptures together, and it's going to challenge you because we're, we're going to tell you right now that, that our theology would say to us, that we believe the Bible says, your, this lifestyle right here is, is against God's will. We'll open the gate, but we're not going to stop working on it. What, what, what's your gate look like? What does your gate look like? And I think it gets challenging for congregations to try to figure out, huh, what do, I, what do I do with this thing? Because it's one thing for that lady in the baptismal tank to shout out, you know, a, a word that makes people maybe step back. It's another thing, you know, when all of a sudden you've got people who you're like, well, uh, they don't quite know, that's not good. Does your gate say to somebody, wait a minute, you're living, you're living together. You're not married and you're living together. I'll tell you what, you can come into the church as long as you renounce that. I've even seen pastors, I mean, pastors have meetings about this stuff, and they talk for hours, and you hear that one pastor says, well, well you know what, they can't get married until they, they move into separate bedrooms. They've got to be in separate bedrooms. I'm like, <clears throat> are you going to monitor it? I mean, are you going to put, like, cameras up? Honestly, are you going to do that? Well, no, but they need, to, they need to make a commitment before. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I get it, I see where your gate is. I can understand where your, your gate is. What is your gate? And I really do believe the depth of this here in chapter 15 recognizes that, oh my goodness gracious, this whole thing isn't just about I am going to bring someone into faith and then, hey, thank you, God bless, I'll move on to the next person. Uh, discipling someone, discipling someone is, is a long, long walk and where does that happen in the church where it's not just about I joined a church, it's about we want to walk with you towards your becoming who this this God that we follow calls us to be because quite honestly quite honestly most of us deep down inside of ourselves know that there's things inside of us that if we were real honest we wouldn't make it through the gate And what does Jesus say? I'm the gate. And we come into a relationship with him and through him, we learn what it means to change. And God uses his church. He uses people like you and me to patiently walk with someone, sometimes for years, towards their becoming who God has called us to be. Chapter 15 kind of goes there. Just notice how it opens up with these words. It says, the ones of us who have been strengthened by the gospel. I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of liberty there. Uh, my Bible says, we who are strong. Uh, well, the term that's used there is dunamis. And Dunamis is what? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I, I think a good, simple translation is those of us who have been strengthened by the gospel. That's where our strength lay. Not in ourselves. Those of us who have been, been strengthened by the gospel. Uh, we, we are bound. And that, that's, that's the power of this word. Uh, my English translation says, we, we who have been strengthened by the gospel have an obligation. Well, the, the term that's used here is deeper than that. We, we are bound. In other words, God has said, I am, I'm binding you to, and here's, this is a really neat word here, to bastadzain. Um, English translation says, to bear with the failings of the weak. Now, bastadzain means to help carry, like a little baby, those who are adunatai. They don't have the same strengthening that you have. They're not as strong as you. And I like that picture because it's a, it's a birth picture, it's a baby picture. I carry, I carry my baby. This baby's not developed yet. I don't say to the baby, hey, you know what? Get down. I'm tired of carrying you. You're heavy. You keep eating. You get heavier. You're, my back hurts when I pick it up. Just get down there and start walking. <laughs> no, you don't do that. You're like, no, it's a, this is my baby. I'm going to carry it. Yeah, it's getting heavier. I'm still feeding it. But guess what? I'm gonna I'm going to keep caring for this baby. Maybe it's going to be a long time before that baby gets up on its feet and walks. And that's the picture that he's giving here: is you've been strengthened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's what God has done. He said, "I'm binding you this, to this, to another person, to someone else, who I want you to carry like a baby. Walk with them. It may take a long time before they're walking by themselves, but I want you to walk with them for a long time because." Uh, they, they don't have the same strength that you have in the gospel. They haven't discovered yet. Let the word change them. It's going to change them. I mean, in my lifetime, I, I see it over and over and over again where that person whose who's behaviors or language or whatever, I don't just harp on them. You're going to change that. You need to change that. I just let the word do its work. Here, look at this. What does this mean to you? What does it say to you? How would you process that in your life? I want that couple who's living together. I don't want to be looking at them saying, you better stop living together. That's a sin. And God doesn't. No, I want to do it like this. What is marriage? According to the scriptures. What is it? Whose is it? Is it a a ceremony that belongs to the state? Or is it more than that? If you enter into it, what will it mean for you? What does it mean to you to say that marriage is a covenant with God between you and this person that you're getting ready to marry? As you start your way into that covenant, how do you want to live it out? What choices do you want to make? How do these words influence your idea of what you're doing today? And my prayer is that through the Word and through walking patiently, I'm carrying. This, this person, that they will come to a point of saying to me, this would be my, my prayer, they'll come to a point of saying to me, you know what, I, we're kind of struggling with what this says to us, because we, we've been, we thought this was just normal stuff. We, it's what happens in our culture today. We just, we just live together, but now we're kind of struggling with this. I'm like, good. Excellent. So exactly what I do. I read the Bible. There are things in it I do not like. I don't want to do them. God says, Luke, here's what I want you to do. My first response to God is, no, I, that's not what I want to do. I want to, I, This is what I want to do. God goes, okay, okay. It's going to bring you some pain, but okay. It's not until Luke says, you know what? I'm really, now I'm actually wrestling with this. Good, God says. That's what I want my word to do. I want it to affect change. But it's got to be a change that's born in something by and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's really the picture that we have, have here, is, is you're carrying someone. You're walking with them. And you're letting that person be strengthened by a word that will, will in fact, uh, change them. And, and I like the way this first verse ends. It says, and not to please ourselves. Uh, the, the whole mission that God's called us into is not about, well, this is inconvenient for me. Or, uh, man, that person is a pain in the butt. And I keep trying to, to work with them, and they just keep going backwards. And I'm tired of it, right? Um, it's it's Dick and Sue, who um, who call me one day and say, "We want to talk to you about ministry with young adults." I said, "I'll be glad to talk to you about ministry with young adults." And they're sitting in my office, and they're saying to me, "We feel like God is calling us to ministry to." And I said, there, there's no greater need. My goodness gracious, young adults in our world today, unbelievable challenges that they're facing. You want to do that? Yes, we do. So let me ask you this question. What are you typically doing at 3 a.m.? <laughs> three, like 3 in the morning? I'm like, yes, sir. Well, we're sleeping. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I said, um, how do you deal with drunk people? Drunk people? Like, yeah, people that are drunk and they're trying to have a conversation with you. How do you deal with that? Well, you can't talk to a drunk person. Okay, Um, so here's why I'm asking is, if if you're serious about we wanna serve young adults, your phone's gonna ring. Well, it won't be when you want it to ring. It'll be at three in the morning. And the conversation you're gonna have is with a drunk person. Who's just gotten a ticket and been pulled over and they're wondering, Oh, I need help. And and don't tell my parents. And what are you gonna do in those moments? Because in your mind, if 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 you're thinking ministry to young adults is, hey, we're gonna have a Bible study in our home, we're all gonna get around and we're gonna start, you know, we're gonna pass some snacks around, we're gonna sing kumbaya. My Lord, oh, kumbaya. And then you're going to have a nice Bible study. Everybody go home. I'm like, that's not. That's actually not what's going to happen. What will happen is, have you ever bailed someone out of jail? Are you willing to bear the burden of somebody who comes into you and sits down and says with tears in their eyes, I don't know what to do, and I think that I have to have an abortion. And everything inside of you crashes, and you go, <gasps> Every, but you you, you, can't, you can't be that. No, you, you're going to have to walk with that person and pray to God that the word of God changes that person, brings them to a place where they say, no, I, I'm not going to have an abortion. Can you do that? Dick and Sue said, we'll give it a shot. I said, okay. And... um They're carrying people to this day. They're carrying people. And I'm glad for them because they've they've learned that. They started off, they said, you know what, we were people of the law. We didn't even know it. We, We had a gate. We imposed our law upon people. You better be like this or else. And we've learned it didn't work. We have to be people of the gospel. Have patience. Walk with people. And sometimes you walk with people for years. And I really believe that's what what Paul is talking about here is this is not to please ourselves. We don't do what we do so that it brings, oh, hey, I feel good about what I'm doing. You know, hey, look what I helped that person. I do it because God's called me into ministry, and that ministry is to people who are not like me and who do have a long walk to take, and I, I'm, going to, I'm going to take that, that walk. Look at verse 2. It says, um, Let each of us seek to be pleasing. Let each of us seek to be pleasing to his neighbor for his good. Um, Please don't read that in a superficial way. Uh, This is not saying, okay, I'm going to start walking with this person, discipling this person. So being pleasing to them means I've got to have this fake smile on my face On my face, and try to pat him on the head, and be—he's not talking about that. Okay, the the better the better thought here would be to to think of it like this: Um, live into this is how I would say it. Live into another person, this this new person. Live into them the same way that Jesus Christ lived into those who he met. Live into them the same way that Jesus Christ lived into people. He met for, for their good and to build them up. He lived into people. Okay. Um, Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, I'll stand up for you. I'll stand behind you. Uh, Jesus says to the, to the woman who has the blood flow that everybody says she's unclean, stay away from her. I'll touch you. I'll touch you. Jesus is the one who says, uh, you know to the to the the one who's denied him i'll give you a second chance i'll give you a new chance and and so will you live into people like that because as we're becoming church, what this means is and going out into the world and and remember this is Rome, we are going to be bringing people into this church that don't fit at all what the Bible says they need to be and so Here's what I'm saying to you is live into these people the way that Jesus Christ has lived into you and know something that 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 may cost you something. That may, in fact, cost you something. Freshman year, Trinity University, San Antonio, Texas. I went to Spanish class. Spanish class was... uh, have kind of an interesting experience for the person sitting next to me because this was a literature class. I had had a lot of Spanish in high school, so I spoke Spanish pretty fluently, and this would be a literature class. The person sitting next to me, however, apparently read this thing wrong, and the person that was advising them on what classes they could or could not take did not help them. They got in the class, they couldn't speak Spanish. So now the teachers up front, speaking only in Spanish and directing us to these novels that we're going to be reading, and this person looks over at me with a panicked look in their face and they go like this, can you understand what they're saying? <laughs> I'm like, oh man. I said, yes, can you? I didn't know the person. His name was George. He says, I can't understand a word. I said to George, you need to get in a different class. <laughs> You're in the wrong place, George. George. Uh, turns out George, George was gay, he was gay. Um, I n- didn't know this initially, but after that class, George talked to Luke. Luke says, hey, that, that's, that's real good. Um, I'll help, I mean, I can tell you, you just need to be in a basic class. There comes this point where George finds Luke and says, I got to tell you something, I'm really struggling, I'm gay and I want, I think I want, I think I want to get out of being gay. Will you help me, Ah, oh, George? Yeah, yeah. I think I can walk with you. I, <clears throat> I can tell you what I believe. I can share with you some thoughts. I can go. That that was a costly thing for me because at Trinity there were people who were part of my high school who went to school there, and when Luke sits down with George at lunchtime to talk to him about what's going on in his life. And let me tell you what, he, it, I don't even know why the word gay is used because there's nothing happy or fun about it. It's horrible. And he's telling me these things going on in his life and I'm saying to him, there's a reason that you're having this pain. I don't have this pain that you're having in your life. There's a reason that it's so painful for you. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Well, how is it supposed to be? Well, just take a look at this word with me. That's what I'm doing. Here's the people from my high school. They're looking over at Luke. What's their first thought? Luke is what? Absolutely. It's costly. And I knew it. I knew, holy, excuse me, holy crap. I'm like, I, I'm branded. There's no way around I'm branded. So then what do I do? Do I say, you know, George, it's been nice knowing you. You're in the right Spanish class now. And I wish you good luck with all the stuff that's going on in your life. But I think, you know what? you really hurt my reputation, I'm moving on." No. No, I went through that whole year. And uh, in, a, in a lot of ways I'm glad I did because I learned a lot about that community and just the pain inside of it that to, to this day serves me well when I'm trying to help somebody recognize you're, you're going to have pain because you're not, it isn't the way God made us to live, right? But what, what, I, hear, what I hear Paul saying to me is, take the walk. Take the walk. Sometimes sometimes it's it's costly, but look what Jesus did. Did people who were in the church think highly of Jesus? Not hardly. Why? Who did he hang out with? Who did he live into? Sinners. That were obviously living apart from from what the, the scriptures call us to live. And so people in the church branded him. That guy... He eats with sinners. He's having lunch with one. Look at him. I think he is one of them. That guy is, is conversing with this lady here. He, first of all, he shouldn't even be talking to the lady. Secondly, you know what she does. Look at who he is. Jesus said, I'm going to live into this person. What, what I would translate this as, as saying to me is, will, will living out my call to mission, if I take seriously... That call of Jesus Christ to reach out to people who are apart from the faith, will it be easy? If you came to me today and sat in my office and you said, look, I honestly, I've been going to church a long time. I I go to Bible studies, but I've really never gotten into reaching out into this community. I kind of want to. My first question would be, what are you doing at 3 a.m.? How do you talk to drunk people? What do you do when somebody comes up and the, the lifestyle they're living is to you disgusting? What's your gate look like? And how willing are you to live into people that are different than you? As a church, we all in this room want to say our, our arms are wide open. We want to welcome everybody. Are you sure? What's our gate? Are we willing to put our arms around people? who need to take a long, long walk, and are we willing to walk with them? That's the question that Paul is putting in front of the church as they go out into this mess of a society called Rome. Not a lot different than the USA today. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, close out today, I just want to ask your blessing on this week to come. Um, we're going we're gonna to watch, again, I think, some hard stuff in our, our culture take place. Allow us to rise above it and to see the calling that you've given to us. It is not a call into the political movements that are taking place. It is a call into the lives of people who are living in a mess. And it's a long walk. And it's hard. But God, give us the strength and the willingness and the heart and the desire to live into others as you have lived into us, we pray in Jesus' name.